This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Welcome to Women at Work. I'm Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics, and today I'm excited to bring you another installment of our special series called Reframe, Voices of Change. Reframe is a partnership between the Sundance Institute and WIF Los Angeles, and the series is a collection of interviews taped at the Sundance Film Festival with organizational leaders, artists, and activists who are all working inside and outside the film industry to equal the playing field for women, and along the way are leading by example. For instance, today's first guest is Haifa Al-Mansour, Saudi Arabia's first female film director. Her latest, The Perfect Candidate, was premiering at Sundance, but our discussion got to cover her entire career. You should know I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Oh. And starting with Waja, um, was so moved by Mary Shelley, um, as well as Napoli Ever After. Now you're here celebrating a perfect candidate. This is very exciting for you. Oh, it is really exciting and really kind of you to say that. But uh, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy my films, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you do too. For one thing, I really love to portray, uh, portray women who are not victims. In all those films, the protagonist in my film is, is a feisty woman who is spirited and have a goal or wants to, they want to create their own destiny and be on top of it and it is really it is hard sometimes for women and especially women from the Middle East where are we are very programmed to accept tradition and, and just f- fill in what is what is programmed for us so yeah I'm, I'm really happy and and the perfect candidate is such a um, a close story to me because it is uh, about a woman who's running for an office and and we know how it is very hard for women to be elected for in the general public it is oh don't we yeah <laughs> we see it now and of course in the middle east is more pronounced but i think it is it is part of the experience to see women put themselves out there and fight for for leadership and be and even if they don't succeed the first time we create this accumulative history and hopefully we will get there one day well one of sooner the other, than later there's another dimension of this that i saw in each of these stories which is that these women were navigating cultural constraints yes. that um they found themselves in and that they had to figure out how to find their own voice within that context and that a way of breaking through those constraints without abandoning their culture altogether. No, absolutely. We should celebrate culture, culture and food and music, what makes us people. But also we should understand that there is a lot in traditions and original cultures where I come from. There is so many things that we really need to reshape. For example, we have a lot of practices that are totally about excluding women from the public space and covering them completely and all that. And that is something that we really need to re-examine and really mm, redefine what the culture in that sense. So um, I, I think I always strive to bring that character that is entertaining and fun to watch <laughs> and has a lot of heart. And it is, yeah, you make a feminist film and it is about women, but it should not be only a sad film. It should be only a film about victims or it should be a film that celebrates life and has, has a nice character in it. And, and my last film has a lot of music too. And I think it is, uh, it, is, it is part of the entertaining is to bring those characters. And if entertaining is not there, I think it, is, it, it lacks the story, will not travel, people will not appreciate it. 
So one of the things that struck me with each of these films was that um, that navigating a culture that constrains you, you can resent, you see things fundamentally wrong with it, you see things that are beautiful in it. Um, you have really charted new ground as a Saudi Arabian filmmaker and a woman at that. Both of these things are remarkable. Talk to me about how you have found your own way to go in a new, like you are really charting out new territory, yet you do it with what feels like a love of your own culture, even when you disagree with some of the things that are happening. Oh, absolutely. I disagree with a lot, but with a lot of love. <laughs> and I think, yeah, a lot of people, to, uh, I became the first Saudi female filmmaker, and they said, you're brave, and all that. I was like, I'm more of a crazy, <laughs> to, be, to, 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 to say the truth. But it is, I think it is, you have to have a passion for something. And for me, I really wanted to tell, us, to tell stories. I'm a storyteller since I was a kid. So um, I think it's like, it is giving women and and. That is, you have to celebrate who you are. You don't have to fill what people expect from you. You don't have to be a teacher and a nurse. You can find your own, define your own future. And um, and I think it is, and Saudi Arabia is certainly is very hard when it comes to women. And there are so many things that are, are, like it's a very conservative place religiously and politically, and there are so many constraints on creative people. But I think it is, for me, it is working within what I have. like. Like, for example, to shoot the perfect candidate, which we, sh we shot in Saudi Arabia, we had to go through, like, we submit the script to, like, a bureaucratic office and just wait for them to approve the script. It's, it's a long process. And to give us permission to shoot, which is, can be really daunting and very, like, a lot of paperwork, and you have to go through it. But I think it, it, it makes the whole difference when, when you bring a film like this, celebrates women and women who are having a dream and women and bringing it to Saudi audiences who are not expected to see women in that, in, in that position is really worthwhile. It makes, makes making film in Saudi Arabia exciting. It makes, it, it makes me really want, um, it is hard, of course. <laughs> so I'll take a year before I go back or two years before I go back. But it is really, um, it is, it is, it's worth it when you see that you are touching people and hopefully changing and moving the culture forward. Haifa, there was a lot that you said in there and I want to unpack some of it, okay? <laughs> so one is um, you, the, Cinema, uh -huh. the existence of cinemas has changed in Saudi Arabia, correct? That's correct. It's not just that you're a woman making films there. Um, there's been a change in the whole film industry in the country. Can you tell us a little bit about it and how it's affected you? Well, yeah, they allowed cinemas now and they allowed um, a concert and theater and um, and it is, Saudi Arabia went into a phase that we are very, the society was controlled by a lot of like very conservative Islamist thoughts, which all its literature was about excluding art from the public space. And now art is making its way back. But For the first time in what, 35 years? 35 years. It's, it's like three, three and a half decades of not having art. It's not going to be easy. Like people don't, some, some very conservative neighborhoods don't like concerts in their towns. And, and just like two months ago, two people were there. People attempt to stab people who are performing on the stage, so it is not—it's not an easy way to bring progressive I, um, ideas to a place like Saudi Arabia. But it is very important, and especially in a place like that, is to celebrate music, to celebrate art, 
it is just to create a human being who is able to create civilization. So when you said a moment ago that you might not go back for a year or two, that you, now that I'll go visit my mom, but not work. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, that there is a price that you pay for creating art in a society that's in the earliest stages of changing. It is just like no, as an as a I should say what I like. It is because we don't have an industry. So just like, for example, casting is takes for so long, and just like, and just and location scouting is very tough because you don't have actual trained location scouters with database that you can tap. Oh, into. so it's not that there's um, a, a social denouncement of what you're doing. It's more that there isn't an infrastructure. Exactly, that is it. I think it's for me as a like I want like it's, it was really hard to bring that <laughs> to, to the world. It's not easy. So just like sometimes you want to work in the in the West and enjoy being with professional actors and enjoy having being in an industry before you jump again to do a film in a place like there's the industry still beginning. But it is very rewarding to make movies in the Middle East. I really feel like the Middle East is on the there is it is it's there's a lot of political unrest and there are so many is happening. And I think the only way we can bring happiness to that world is by mm, investing in in and creating a, a place where people are relaxed, art and music and and trying to incorporate that kind of um, what fundamentally makes a, a civilization and re reshape the culture. And that is what how hopefully we will come out of it and we will come out of it vic victorious. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you're on the path there. At least you're victorious here in the <laughs> western part of the West yeah. in Utah this week. Um, this isn't the first film that you made in Saudi Arabia. That's right. This is the first one you made since cinemas are legal mm -hmm. and that you made with the support of a government, the blessing of a government agency. Yeah. You made Waja, what, seven years ago? Yes. How did you make that and how different was that experience? Yeah, Wajda, when I made Wajda, the country was very segregated, so we weren't able to be in, the, I wasn't able as a woman by a filmmaker to be in the streets and with the, with the rest of the crew. I, but you were the director. I was the director and I was in a van. <laughs> they gave me a monitor and a walkie-talkie and I talked to everybody. So like, you were a virtual leader. Exactly. <laughs> Which is like, was tough, but also like, it was tough, but it taught me how to, to, Filmmaking is a very difficult place and always there will be challenges and there will always, always will be things that you really need to find a solution for. And for me, like not being able to be on set with, with, the, with the actors, it taught me how to empower them, how to make, take my actors and tell them, this is what I want you to give me. No matter what happens, no matter what the shot goes, this is the feelings and this is what you want to give me. And it is such a like, and we jump into it together. And it is really, uh, it taught me how the relate, how, I need to trust them as much as they need to trust me. And it is not like actors, not like you just like empty vessels you give them. There's so much they can give back. And it is, and it taught me how to, like, so there is something coming it out of it. It sounds almost as if you were going to teach in film school. You could create this <laughs> as an exercise. Oh, yes, I would love to <laughs> take the career later on. But yeah, I think. Um, and so you not only had this social barrier where because of gender, you couldn't be adjacent to the people you were working with. Yeah. How did you assemble a cast that would accept your leadership? 
Ah, it's not easy, even in the West. And I, and, and I really appreciate working in, in, in Hollywood in the West, especially working in, in, in a place where there is a lot of censorship. I really appreciated the moment when I went to Mary Shelley. It was my first Western film, and it's about an amazing woman who defied a lot of traditions in her own culture. Yes. And wrote, wrote a book that is very philosophical and very and amazing and rich. But I was really happy to be on the set and just be engaged with my art and not to worry about anything else. And I, I was very grateful for that moment. And I think a lot of Western uh, filmmakers don't understand it because they did not grow in a culture like mine. But it is really, it is, it is amazing to have that freedom. And, but still, when you go to, as a film, female filmmaker and you go on set, there's a lot of like people will not take you seriously as a woman. No. The, the leadership, they will always try to challenge. And it is, it is, can be very frustrating for women, but the only way you can do it is by, by showing people that you are capable, by knowing your material and really understanding what you want, how you will lead. And, and asserting people, being very assertive, but not angry. And, and show people respect and they will give it back. And out of experience of all my films, first week is all those people trying to, like, you know. So you go into it now knowing you're going to be tested and challenged. Exactly. But I know that also people want to be led and they want to see what I can give them. And, um, and I also want, I understand that people want to be appreciated and have an ownership of, of their work. And the same way I want to be appreciated and have ownership of my work. And once we establish that relationship, things go very smoothly. And I, I, and, and, and just like it becomes really a fun place. And then people give you a lot of their heart and, and want to make you happy. And that is a, your job as a director. It's like, yeah, yeah, give me the best design you have. And that is like, give me the best shot you have. And people need to be to invest in you and and see you as a leader that they want to be part of the journey with you. So yeah, I particularly appreciate that you see this as a part of every project's process. Yeah. That you um, have to establish your leadership, of course. <laughs> and you, it also sounds like that you're establishing the core values and the culture of the team at the same time. Yes, absolutely. I think on set, a lot, there is a lot of heightened feelings and because you work long hours and you are with the same person for so long. So there's a lot of habits you bring it from home and stuff like that. So you really need to make the place safe for everyone. And that is, and make the place enjoyable and have people feel like they can also participate and have fun and and um, and be respected for their opinion. And, and the only way you do it when you respect boundaries between each other and starts with the director themselves. Like if people really understand that I appreciate their work and I know my work and we are gonna have a sort of a dance together. And it is that is what it should be. Like everybody brings something on the table. And, uh, and, and that is why I feel like the mm, things like Me Too movement and, uh, are very important because that workspace wasn't really um, safe for women for a lot of time. Like women were harassed and, mm -hmm. it is, and because it is like a closed place and you are almost in a, in a, in a small cell away from the rest yeah, of the world. It's, and it's isolated it's, and it makes you vulnerable. It's very isolated and makes you vulnerable. And it is amazing to see now people addressing that and wanting to create the safe place for a woman. And it is amazing to have like 
like organizations like Women in Film, like that, which I am part of, like their new program, um, um, Reframe Rise, where they choose female filmmaker and give them the chance to take their career to the next level, but also start have this sense of sisterhood and that sense of we are together in it and we will support each other and we will give each other a chance to grow. And it is very important for us as women to establish that because we haven't been in the workplace for so long. We, it's always one woman that has to succeed. Like that is our <laughs> culture, right? That our, how they want to project our, our culture. And we really need to change that. One of the risks that you took with Waja mm -hmm. was in filming. Yeah. And um, you had to keep this distance. Did you also have to keep quiet about what you were doing? Absolutely, not keep quiet because we, we applied again to get permission from the government and all that. So they knew what you were doing. They knew that someone is filming or some in office there and knew that what we're filming. It is, it is just like, because the society is very conservative, we don't want to attract a lot of attention. You don't want to go there and this film crew, and film crew is very loud. Like when they, when we go there, everybody knows we're there. <laughs> like we have sonic glasses and the, the catering and the crafty and everybody's coming and the, claiming the streets. But we tried not to do that. We tried to be more like, subdued and when we have outdoor shoots we will have a smaller crew and we try to be respectful of the, of the environment and the neighborhood. First thing you don't want to bother people if that is what they believe that is and hopefully they will see the film when it comes out and and you know it's filmed in your neighborhood so you'll look for your street and hopefully <laughs> and, well, that is my house that is how it is bringing people with you on that journey so. Well you mentioned your mom Yes. So those are people that come with you on your journey. Yeah. Um, if you if you don't mind my asking, were you a mom when you made that first film? Have they been on this whole journey with you? Absolutely. My mother always like, she she goes and cuts like magazines of my my picture of theirs, like like a, like an article about me, and she tries to to keep um, to keep a lot of. Um, like articles. she's proud of you she's very proud of me and I grew up when Saudi was very conservative but my mom never wore the veil and she wore like really really and we come from a small town very small isn't town. your dad a musician my was a poet not <laughs> but my mom loved to sing but she comes from a, a family that is more like you know it's standard in society that she they will not allow her to sing because singing is not very like respectful thing for a woman but she loved to sing and and she has this star quality you know when she will go to a party she'll have like a crew with her like Isn't it amazing entourage. how some people have that with charisma it's charisma yeah so it's like that is they are they wanted the spotlight and they demanded and people just can't take their eyes off them and my mom is similar to that and I was shy as a kid because she comes to my school with this light veil and just like yeah and she's so fabulous and she's so fabulous and everybody's talking and gossiping in the school I was really like I, as a kid, you just want to fit in, and it is my like... mom is like that too. Yeah. And I now appreciate her. <laughs> exactly. But when I was eleven, that was awful. Yes, I, I totally agree. With, um, you understand exactly what I yes. went I mean, she was fantastic, but also on the edge of the rules of what our community accepted. Exactly. And I was kind of embarrassed, and I didn't realize how brave she was. No, I, I, me too. But it also taught me now what a defiance is what it means to be in a place where everybody expects you to do something and you do something just because of you and that is who you and you define your own values. It's a lesson that is very hard to teach and very hard to learn. So I'm really grateful for all what she gave me. So. 
How old, do you have one child more? I have two. How old? Adam is 11 and Haley's nine. How do they feel about, how much do they understand about your work and how do they feel about um, the way that it pulls your attention at times? Uh, no, they, they are very proud of me and they really love to talk about me and school and all that. But it is really hard. Like I, I, nothing shoots where we live. We live in LA now and it always like, I have to travel for like extended period of time, like for four months or something without seeing them. And they come like only for a weekend or something. And it is, it is hard for women. And it's hard for women to be filmmaker and have that kind of like schedule that is very, takes you away from your family. And you are as a, as a mother, you are the center of, of the, of, of the house. and. And then the absence really affects them. But uh, my husband is amazing and very, very supportive. And it takes a village to bring a child. But, but I feel it is a lot of women, like, they understand the sacrifice. And, um, and it, is, it is really balancing work and motherhood and being part of the family. It's not an easy thing, but it is doable. And it will take a lot of, like, um, sacrifice from the kids, from the mother, and everybody comes into it. And hopefully you make quality time when you are together. But uh, we shouldn't be afraid of that. A lot of women don't want to, which is really scares me, especially until now. Like, I'm really excited about the prospect of having a project that is, but I know where it's going to shoot and I know what it's going to take. So it makes me very anxious, right? But I think it should, we should, as women, take those risks and really step out sometimes from only the roles of a mother or a, or a wife to take more risks for our own sake and, and grow. And that ultimately will benefit the kids as well. Right, and all of us who get to hear the different stories that are created by women who are more than just one thing. Yes. <laughs> and it infuses your work and it inspires your own kids. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. They're okay. really good kids. <laughs> <laughs> so are, how long are you here in Sundance? Until the very end, I'm part of the jury too, so I'm really excited in Sundance. I grew up with Sundance, Sundance Institute, and, and Michelle Sarer, like who runs the Institute, being really a champion of my career from the first, like they saw my, my first feature script and I went to their writer's lab and they, they supported me until now. And for me to have my film premiered in, in 2020 in Sundance, really, <laughs> it has been really ages and I feel like homecoming and I, I really feel um, special and, uh, and to be part of the jury, that is amazing too. So it, I appreciate that you're giving, that you're noting that there are these um, systems and structures yes. that you've turned to that have helped you grow as a filmmaker and also get your work developed and distributed. You mentioned Reframe, you mentioned Sundance. Talk to me about how you found these organizations and how you engaged with each of them. It's a long process. It's not like uh, you have to prove yourself and you have to take no for an answer. I came the first time for Sundance in 2004, and I still have the T-shirt from 2004. <laughs> and I came like just as a group of filmmakers just to discover the film festival. And I never thought I'll be there. I never thought like I'll be part of it. But it, I started exploring what it means at the institute, and I sent my script and was rejected. <laughs> I sent it again. <laughs> I knocked on the door. I they opened and it is for younger filmmakers it's not going to be 
my, at least my trip wasn't like all of a sudden I became uh, here, I'm making a project and I land a project. It was really, it is difficult. It's like difficult to make your short. It's difficult to to do your first feature. It is difficult to do from like if you small feature to a bigger budget and to jump from a bigger budget to the biggest budget and go to a studio film. It's not going to be, you have to, to have a thick skin. And more than anything else, you have to really work hard and have the and be open to learn and be open to grow. Nobody is um, it's a craft. Filmmaking is a craft and needs always like you know sharpening all the time, and you really need to work on it. I, I love the way that you're explaining this because it's something that. I hear and see in every successful artist that I know, also every successful business person, that it didn't start with, I woke up today and I'm gonna write, direct, produce, maybe even star in a movie that's going to be acquired at Sundance. That it's a path that requires going through each stage and also really being so passionate about it that you don't take no for an answer. You keep trying. You keep trying and keep growing. One thing that we need, if people say no, 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 you have to understand why they're saying no. What is going on? (laughs) And it's not the problem with the world. Maybe it's something with the script, which is like my first script has its own problem. And I really was so adamant. I don't know if you remember my first film, which was happy about this girl. But the first draft of the script, it was about the mother dies at the end which is such a downer, and I just like, but I was so adamant, I was like, woman in Saudi Arabia, she has to travel to that job very far, and she can't drive, and they force her to go with this very bad driver, she has to die. You know, it's like a very much, <laughs> like dark, <laughs> dark and politically motivated, not that the story did not, didn't fit the story, but at a certain point, you have to understand that if people tell you something, you have to step and slow down, and rethink, and be open open to learn and open to grow. And this reinforces what you, about the, the culture that you're creating on your own set, where critical discourse is essential to producing good work. Absolutely, yes. And also that um, as it's revealed in each of these projects, the subtlety and complexities that come with meaningful and engaging storytelling. And even watching Waja, I remember having uh, my daughter put all the feelings that there was joy and there was fear and there was sorrow and there was a frustration at the limitations. I wanted to scream at the machine <laughs> and it wasn't even my culture. And so it sounds like by taking that advice, you still created a deeply compelling film experience. Oh, absolutely. The, that sustained the viewer. It's way better. Like that roof scene, I don't know if people saw that roof scene. Was I, it is, it is Totally, like one of the best scenes I've ever directed. And Give ever. a short description of what that scene was. Oh, yeah. It is like towards the end when the mother, she didn't die, the mother, Allah. Yeah, and she took all the money she wanted to buy for something for, to please her husband, to buy the bike for her daughter. With all, when her husband is just moving away and all that, like um, fireworks and everything, it creates that legacy. Like if you really want the world to change, you really need to empower younger females. females. So I, I guess really, really that, that scene is very... And no, also because it up. marked such an evolution in their relationship. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it wouldn't happen if I didn't listen to my mentors <laughs> and people who told me the funnel doesn't work. It's like, what do you mean it doesn't work? But it is, yeah, you really need to, to, to as an artist, to really uh, be open to people who are viewing your art and engaging with the audience and finding what works and what doesn't. So is that what Sundance and Reframe gave you? Was that kind of feedback and input and support? Absolutely, feedback, kindness, and support. And having this, like, especially women in film, there is amazing when you go to a, to a network party and you, you know that people there are rooting for you and you have a friend in the audience. It's always like awkward when you go to a place you don't know anybody and you're trying to make small conversations. But it's really nice to find those people around you to support you, to introduce you, to take you under their wing. It is, it is, it is very important for our industry to grow and for people to know you and giving you that... Uh, that stamp of approval, but also like this kind of like we are together in it, and we will we will lift you and we lift each other. It is it is it is a, creating this community of of women who are coming, who who's there for each other. It's really it's it's been really amazing. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.